Hello, Podcast Village. I am your host of Colorblind Race Across Generations. My name is Vanessa Eccles. I'm here along with producer Keith. Keith, how are you doing? Hello, everybody. Boy, we have a doozy for you today. This one is fascinating. Set this one up, please. So, this is a woman who lived most of, well, I'm going to say most of her life, but a good part of her life growing up, thinking that her mother was white. Uh, She's white, so she thought her mom was white. She started doing a little genealogy, a little digging in the family tree, and found out that her mother is not white after all. She was mixed race, and she was part black. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so, so beyond, beyond all the, the, the kind of the, the headline of this is a very, very deep and detailed story. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so she, the records show her mother was uh, at one point colored, Negro, black, all sorts of things. Anyway, her mother was not, as I said in the episode, fully white, if there's such a term. She was not. So she really has a fascinating story. She has a book, and the book is called White Like Her. So listen in. This is Gail Lukasik. And Gail, welcome to Colorblind Race Across Generations. You are, by trade, a mystery writer. I am. Then you uncovered a mystery with your own family here, though. I did. I I, I did. So your book is called White Like Her, and it is about uh, your mom, who was passing as a white woman, and you found out that, in fact, she was of mixed race. So tell us how this all got started. Okay, um... Well, it really started with my mother's father, Azima Frederick, from New Orleans. And uh, every time I would ask my mother about her father, uh, any information about him, do you have any photographs, um, she would say something to the effect that, well, you have to understand, you know, my parents divorced when I was six. I wasn't raised by my father, so I really don't know much about him. And so, you know, I thought... um, okay, maybe I should do my own research. So uh, fast forward to um, 1985, and um, I'm between teaching jobs, and I have a little extra time on my hands, and I decide um, I'm going to do research on Azima Frederick. I, I want to know about this man. So I end up going, this is before Ancestry, by the way. You mm-hmm. could not, there was no Ancestry. So I went to the local um, family history center, and that's where I discovered the 1900 Louisiana census records, found Hazima. Um, he's at the bottom of a list of Fredericks. He's two years old. And then I noticed something um, peculiar I didn't understand. Next to each of their names was the letter B, and when I went to the head of that column, it said race. So... Um, and I assumed B was for black, and I did ask the woman who was helping everyone at the center, and she said, yes, B was for black. And so what is going through your mind when you hear that? I am in shock. (laughs) I have no idea what's happening. Um, Before I left the center, I quickly put in another row of microfilm and um, for the 1930 census, and when I look at that census, Azimana's family are listed with a W for race, which is white. 
so I left there totally confused. I have no idea what's going on. And so what did you do? Well, um, my mother, you know, I grew up in Ohio, so my mother lives in Ohio, and I live in Illinois. And I decided, um, first of all, this was not a conversation I was going to have on the telephone. And I also decided that, you know, maybe census records, they could be wrong. So I really should get more information before I even bring this up to my mom, because she may not be aware of the census records. So what I did was um, I wrote to the state of Louisiana as if I was my mother, and I told them that I lost my birth certificate, and I asked them if they would send me a copy, and they did. And when I um, got the birth certificate, in parentheses for race, on my mother's birth certificate were three letters, C-O-L. Oh. Yeah, which I assume was for colored. But I'm a researcher, so, you know, that wasn't enough. So I sent another letter to the state, and I asked them to please explain to me what C-O-L means to them. And I received back a very official-looking letter from the state, and they said, COL is for people of, uh, pe- people of color, mostly from African-American descent, um, but could be Native American, but mostly African. And uh, also they said, if I had any evidence to the contrary, I should write them back and send evidence. So that was, <laughs> that was my research. Um, yeah, I, I just, I kept, you know, the journey just kept getting richer and richer as I'm going along it. So, um, now it was time to talk to my mother. And you, again, you uh, wanted to do that face to face. I did. Um, and unfortunately, after I made all this discovery and, and did get all this documentation, my father became very ill, so he had a, a rather protracted illness, and I felt this was not the time to be bringing this up with her. So I waited um, after my dad passed. I invited my mother to come visit me in Illinois, where I live, and she did. And and, and, that's, and just so yes. to clarify, how long was it after you made the discovery to when you finally had this face-to-face with her? Uh, almost two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was almost two years. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I asked her to come visit, and um, I waited till my husband went off to work. I felt this is something we're going to talk alone about. And I started out by saying that I told her, I said, Mom, um, I want to talk to you about some information I have about your father and about you. And I said, I, I have your birth certificate, and um, on the birth certificate, it says COL. And for colored. Well, she got very angry with me, very indignant. And uh, she said, I don't know what birth certificate you're looking at, but mine says I'm white. Well, I thought, okay, I'm not going to let this go. I have all this other information. So I said, well, you know, Mom, I have this other information. I have a letter from the state. I have the census records. I'd be happy to go get them and show them to you. And she became very quiet. She just sat there for a few minutes. And then she said to me, you can never tell anyone until after I die, because how will I hold my head up with my friends if they know? And what was your reaction when she said that? I, 
I was surprised, and I said, I tried to talk her out of it. I said, Mom, this is a good thing. Um, I don't know why you're upset. This is, you know, this is a good thing. Let's talk about it. And she said, no, you have to promise me this. So very reluctantly, I have to say, I did promise to keep her secret. And did you ever bring it up to her again with subsequent visits or phone calls or anything? I did. I, I tried uh, through phone calls. I, I, you know, I kept the secret for 17 years. My mom passed in 2014. So uh, I kept it a long time. And during that long time, I did my own research on ancestry, found out other things about the family. And I wanted to share that with her. And um, I tried, and as soon as I brought something up that I thought was significant, she would change the subject. She would not talk to me. So she didn't and want he, to talk about that subject at all? At all. And when she became, toward the end of her life, when she was ill and, and would be in and out of rehabilitation centers, there was a moment there where I did try to talk to her about it again, and she just would not have it. She just did not want to talk about it. So growing up, you had no inclinations that she was not fully white, for lack of a better term. Right. No, I had Even looking none. back on it now. Well, now, yeah, now I can, <laughs> now things make sense to me. Like? Um, because she had these, you know, it's my mom's, right? We think of our moms, they are who they are. Mm -hmm. So she had these quirky habits that I just thought, well, they're her quirky habits, you know, and I can name a few. One is that she would never go out in the sun unless she had a hat on or and gloves. And In fact, she did not like being in the sun at all. This was something she avoided. Um, so that, that I always thought was kind of strange. And um, she used to wear to bed a very light foundation, you know, face foundation. And I remember when I got older and I was a teenager and, you know, you start to think about makeup and mm -hmm. things like that, I, I said to her, Mom, why, why, do you always, why do you always wear makeup to bed? And she said, well, Gail, you never know if you'll get sick in the middle of the night and then you have to call an ambulance and they come to take you to the hospital. You want to look your best because you'll get better treatment. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So growing up, you never met any relatives on her father's side of the family? I, I met some. And, you know, when I was researching the book, when I was researching White Like Her, um, I really got into passing and trying to understand, the, you know, the notion of passing, what people did. And I, I learned a term, um, certain relatives are passable. So my mother had certain relatives that were passable, for example, her mother. And so, you know, her mother came to visit, um, her brother came to visit, her one brother. So, yeah, there were certain relatives we did, we did meet. Her, her sister, my Aunt Shirley, came to visit, and, but they were passable. So they knew the secret, but no one else yes. did. They were knew you, the secret, yep. Were you able to determine how old she was when she started passing? Um, I, again, when I was, you know, doing the research and reaching out and talking to people, um, I end up connecting with my mother's first cousin on her maternal side. Her name's Eula Moray. 
and um, she was very forthcoming about the whole notion of passing and and everything. And and I spoke to her about when she thought my mother was doing this, and she said, "Well, your mother was definitely passing in New Orleans for work. Hmm. So that's you know that's temporary passing." And you also told me that she did the same thing. And she says, I know that she worked for a group of lawyers in New Orleans. And she says, I know that um, none of them knew I was I was mixed race. So her father was black. Well, I think he was mixed, too. Okay. And what do you know about her, her mother's heritage then? Um, well, you know, I can start with the census. She... Prior to 1930, she was listed as mulatto. Uh, after 1930, the government decided that they were not going to use that term anymore. You were not to be designated as mulatto. You would either be white or black. So at that point, I, I'm not sure at that point if she was listed sometimes as black or sometimes as white. Um, I don't remember that. But um, but both were mixed race. I Yes, both were mixed race. So you kept this secret for 17 years. Did you not tell anybody else? I, You know, I felt that my husband had a right to know, and my two children had a right to know. And then I had two very uh, close friends at the time that I did tell. But that was it. I didn't tell anyone else. And so how did you tell your husband? I mean, is this, you know, dinner conversation? Hey, honey, guess what I found out today? <laughs> how do you approach that subject? Well, it, it, it was sort of like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm in shock myself. I'm, you know, I I come come back from the family history center and he comes home from work and I I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something to the effect you're not going to believe what I just found out and I don't know if it's true or not and you know, and he was he was good with it. You know. And what about your children? Oh, you know, I raised them, so they were fine. <laughs> They were. They thought it was very cool. But I mean, everyone must have been totally shocked. Yeah, uh, I think so. I think every. I mean, I. It. There's a whole transition period that you go through, and you know, it's been some time since I made the discovery, uh, the initial discovery. So there's a transition period you go through where you start rethinking your own identity, and um, and so I went through that. You know, I'm not who I thought I was. And, you know, in this country, we're so concerned with race. And so I had to rethink my whole identity. And what did you come up with? Well, I, I've, I've actually transitioned several times um, from the initial discovery. I, I didn't, I still probably was identifying as a white woman, um, but that's changed. And uh, so through this whole, since the book came out, and I've been in, you know, been out in the public so much, and I, I give a lot of talks. And every time I give a talk, this question always comes up. So how do you identify now? So I, I initially it was, I, I was identifying as the way, socially, as I was raised in my social, cultural environment, which is white. And and then saying that um, I have a hist I have a her mixed race heritage, um, and, but then the more I've been thinking about it and really taking in the whole the whole picture of what 
what you know because I in the book I trace my family back all the way to the early 1700s in Louisiana which is amazing to me and I <clears throat> I found the um a African um well enslaved woman who was one of my ancestors and I thought about her journey and I thought about all the ancestors journey and the way I identify now is mixed race um that's what my DNA says as well so that's that's who I am. Did you ever have a chance to, I know you said she didn't like to talk about this subject, did you ever ask her why? I think we can understand from a historical standpoint, but did you personally ask her, you know, why she was passing? I, I don't remember if I asked that exact question, but it was so clear to me that she was not going to talk to me about it. And my son, um, who's also very into genealogy, uh, would sometimes visit her and try to open up the topic with her, and she shut him down as well. So tell me about the process of coming to the point where you felt comfortable writing the book. Well, you know, um, something very serendipitous happened to me about three months after my mother passed. It was almost the exact date. Um, my husband found a, a listing in our library's online newsletter that Genealogy Roadshow, PBS's Genealogy Roadshow, was looking for stories, family mysteries, related to New Orleans. And he brought it to my attention and said, why don't you, you know, your mom's already passed, why don't you, you know, apply for the show, and you'll get, then you'll know for certain what your heritage is. So that really started this, you know, movement to write the book. Because, uh, you know, the show confirmed everything I thought, mm-hmm. you know, my mother. It's very interesting because they um, they started out with the 1940 Louisiana census record. And um, in that 1940 census record, my mother and her sister are listed as Negro on a census record. <laughs> so it was absolutely confirmed that, you know, she's mixed race. Very much and so. Very much so. So, and what's for me very personal about this is that four years after that 1940 census record, my mother goes north to Ohio and marries my white father, and starts passing and is never listed again as Negro. Hmm. Yeah. And so you are certain that she never told him. I'm. Yes, I'm certain. And I talked to Eula um, about it as well, and she said, no, your dad did not know. He did not know. And um, I gave a talk last year. I went back to my hometown in Ohio and gave a talk at the library. And two of my cousins from my father's side came to hear me talk, and then they came up to me afterwards, and they reiterated to me, we had no idea. We didn't know your mother was passing. And after the show with PBS, you started hearing from family members. Well, this is the most, uh, to me, one of the most amazing parts of this story. Um, Three days after the show aired, and it aired in January 2015, three days after I get an email from a woman who identifies herself as Stephanie Frederick, uh, I started reading this email, and she said that she saw the show, on PBS, and she said, my father is Ozima Frederick Jr., Whoa. And, 
and he is your mother's half-brother. I'm your cousin, and I want to welcome you to this family. And I have to tell you, I sat there and I cried because all my aunts and uncles, my mother and father, everyone from the family that I know, they're gone. And now suddenly I have an uncle and a cousin. <laughs> and and she was certain because that's an unusual name in, in New Orleans. I mean, she was pretty oh, yeah. sure of that. Yeah, the, that's right. The name Azima, for sure. And then I think about two hours later, I received another email from a woman who identifies herself as Aunt Alma. And she tells me that she's my mother's half-sister. So, yeah, I had no... See, I didn't know until um, the show, I was on the show, that my grandfather had five additional children by a second marriage. I didn't know that. I knew he remarried. I just didn't know he had five other children. And so then you met these relatives. I did. Um, They were insistent... (laughs) <laughs> They're such a wonderful family. They were insistent that I come to New Orleans because they wanted to give me a welcome home party. And I, my husband and I did that in April of 2015. And um, the Fredericks came to this party from all across the United States, Philadelphia, D.C., California. And we all got together and we had a great time. And I found out that some of them hadn't seen each other, each other in 30 years, which... So the show, the PBS's show, brought us all together. And so what was that like meeting them? Because it's like, hey, everyone, here's our long-lost <laughs> relative Gail. We're like you're on display. Well, well Stephanie Frederick um, has her own um She's a filmmaker, right? Company. Yeah. yeah, she's a filmmaker. So she wanted to, so she was filming everything because she wanted to make a documentary about it. So <laughs> it was, it was funny because she had you know drive up here let's walk out here we'll be inside <laughs> you know she had it pretty choreographed at first but you know after that I mean it it really was very moving there was a lot of crying <laughs> it was very moving and um you know I sat at the table with my my two new aunts and my new uncle and uh you know I had my mother hadn't even passed for a year. She hasn't been dead for a year, and I just kept staring at them because they looked so much like her. It was it, it was just it was like I was looking at her in a way. Do you think about what it was like for your mom to have the heavy burden of that secret that she was couldn't be her authentic self? I do, and I I talk at length about that in the book. I really do because. When I look back and I and I was thinking about, you know, Parma, where we grew up, it was very, you know, it's all white. Um, and, she, you know, she was passing. She wasn't being herself. And she must, I thought, she must have been afraid of being discovered. I also thought it must have been so hard for her to hear, you know, racial slurs and barbs all around her at work, at the family, whatever. She really can't say too much because she doesn't want to give herself away. Um, and then, you know, she can't be who she is. And you, you talked a little bit about this before, about um, how this affected you in terms of your identity. How has it changed you as a person in terms of how you relate to people of other races? Well, you know, my mom um, did a really good job in raising me. Um, 
one of her tenets was you treat all people the same, regardless of ethnicity or race. You treat them all the same. You, that's what you're supposed to do. So I was already coming from that place, and, and you know, I, I felt that way. But what changes um, is that I, this, is, this is my family. These are my people. So when I'm looking, I, you know, I mentioned that enslaved woman, enslaved woman Marta, <clears throat> when I was reading her papers that freed her, I became furious. You know, I studied slavery and history like everyone did. And it's a history lesson, you know, you you learn about it. But when it's your family, it's visceral. And so it becomes very different. It really does. There's, It's hard to explain, but it's, you know, it's not something out there. It's something in here. What would you think your mom would think about the book? That's a hard question. Um, it, well, she certainly wouldn't have wanted me to write it while she was living. But, you know, in retrospect, I think she would have thought it was a, a very good thing. Um, one of the positives, there's many positives about the book, is that every time I give a talk or I talk to people about it, we end up having a dialogue about race in America. And that's our starting point. We have to talk. And and I'm talking about open dialogue, mm-hmm. not shouting matches or people getting upset. People actually trying to understand each other. And to me, my mother would have loved that. She would have absolutely have loved that. When you mentioned that she taught you lessons about how to treat people, do you think that was because she was thinking to herself, because I am those people who are mistreated often? You know, when I sat down and thought, when I was, I have a chapter in the book called Secrets and Lies, and my mother would tell me all these stories of New Orleans. And I think she was actually telling me some of her own stories, but they were cloaked in, you know, clues, and I had to figure them out. Um, Yeah, I think that's exactly what she was doing. This is my story, but I can't tell you overtly so I'm going to tell you covertly, <laughs> you know. And the book itself, uh, I read that it might become a television series? Right. Um, Stephanie Frederick, my cousin, has optioned it for a TV dramatic series, and she is right now meeting with various entities out on the coast, on the West Coast. Um, fingers crossed this will move ahead. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes. And what do you hope that that accomplishes and the book accomplishes in terms of getting people to talk about race? Because you talked about that. How, do you, how, do, right. how does this fit in? Well, having it be a TV dramatic series would reach a much bigger audience. And so, again, we'll have this dialogue. We'll have people talking about it, talking about how bad it was that you couldn't be who you were Jim Crow South was so horrible that if you could pass, many people took that, you know, did that. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, decided to pass. Um, and, and so we'll talk, you know, people will talk about that. And, and I really trust my, my cousin to do this in a very um, sensitive and smart way. So before you 
found out about your mom's background and started doing your research, did you know what passing was? Did I know about passing? Yes. Do you know what it, did you know what it was at the time? Yes, I yes I did. Yes, I did. Has this changed when you look back now, um, in many years? Does this change in any way how you feel about your mom? Well, you know, a lot of people will say to me, "Well, aren't weren't you angry about this, or did, you know, weren't you upset?" And that's not that's not how I felt or how I feel. No, I feel very sad. I feel very sad that um, my mother felt so strongly about this, so guarded that she couldn't even talk to me about it. Um, we we could have been that much closer if she could have said, here's what it was like for me. Here's what I had to do. Here's why I did what I did. And here's the fear I live with. I mean, that would have been wonderful, but she just couldn't do that. And as you started to tell people, I know you mentioned that you had two friends that you told, but um, after you started talking about this more publicly, has anything surprised you in terms of the reaction that you've received from people that you personally know? Yeah, um, I mentioned this in the book. Um, yeah, I had a, f- a friend that um, we were at a party, and she made a very, I thought, insensitive remark um, about race and um, I mean we remained friendly but I saw her in a different way and I think I saw myself in a different way so yeah but be honest with you most most of the time it's positive well we've enjoyed talking with you and before we go I want to ask you the question that we ask our guests Uh, with each episode, and it is a fill-in-the-blank. So we end the podcast each episode with this. When it comes to race, I admit. So, Gail, when it comes to race, you admit? When it comes to race, I admit that I still have a lot to learn. And it's a journey. And it's a journey. Gail Lukasik, thank you very much for joining us. So I said that she was fascinating, and boy, is she. Her story is fascinating. But I'm struck at the fact that her mom, which, you know, is not that uncommon because, you know, in that era, there were a lot of people who did that. But the whole idea of passing, but just the weight of living this life And I'm sure it was constant fear for her and anyone else who was passing, constant fear of being found out. Yeah, and it was, I think, you know, it was fascinating to me because I immediately said, give me a picture now. I want to see what she looked like that would pass. And you saw her picture and? Hey. (laughs) You were like, yep, yep, she looks white. She looks very white to me. So, yeah, she she passed, but dark part of our history. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like how she said just about how she hopes this will lead to more conversations about race and not yelling. And so she mentioned all the things we try to do with the podcast. Exactly. Um, open, honest conversation without yelling and screaming and listening to what other people have to say. So, so Vanessa, before we go, it does beg the question. If Vanessa Eccles looked at her genealogy, found out maybe she's only half African-American all of a sudden. What, what, how does that affect you? 
Oh, because I asked her about that. I asked Hill about that. I'm, I don't know if it would affect me. Um, yeah. I don't, that's a very good question. I'm not sure that, I guess it's hard to say because I'm not faced with that. But I'm thinking maybe it would not have a deep, profound effect on me. But maybe it would depend on, like, what I am. I mean. So. <laughs> so I'm going to be asking a lot of questions I, at that family reunion. I, yes, I, I was about to say, because if you went with Gail's story and you got a call, you got an email from your Russian relatives. Mm-hmm. And you got invited to the Russian River Dance Festival. I don't know if that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Would I go? Yeah. <laughs> yes, because I would be curious. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's. Very interesting. Anyway. So, everybody, again, thank you for listening. Again, connect with us. Give us your feedback. We love hearing from you. Until next time, see ya. Dun, dun, dun.